0: Are you ready to get into the Word this morning? Come on, let's do it. Let's get our Bibles out today, and let's get ready to jump into what the Lord would say to us. I'm going to go to several places here. Uh, one of them at the beginning is familiar to us in this series. It's Acts chapter 2, and so you can start there with me. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we'll we'll put them up here. If you have a Bible and you have a hard time reading the print, I can promise you, you won't have a hard time reading the Scriptures this morning. On this screen, you will be able to see the word clearly. And uh, you know what I think my favorite thing about having this screen up here is that we are going to proclaim the word of God in big, bold letters. And I'm so excited about the opportunity to declare the truth. And anything we can do to make it more clear, that's our heart. That's our goal. Whether it's turning brighter lights on so that you can see me a little better or or uh, projecting the words of the gospel on the screen we want to communicate the word of god to the best of our ability and, and that's always my prayer in fact i, I don't usually do this but i, I want to pray right now uh, again over the word of god would you just pray with me as you hold your bible in your hand there father god i just thank you for the privilege that i have every week to do what you've called us to do feed my sheep god i thank you that you have a word you have a word for us more than what I prayed about and prepared and, and, and you've put on my heart to give the people, there's something within it, God, that, that you're trying to say specifically to our hearts and lives. Jesus, you said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So God, that's, that's what we're striving for today. We're leaning in with all of our hearts to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. God, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This is week three of a, a series. Uh, we've been talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's a phrase that I am so familiar with. I've been familiar with all of my life. Uh, but it's something that there is still a lot of confusion about in the church. If if it's one of those kind of muddy water issues for you, that's okay. Don't feel bad about it. The truth is we, the people of the body of Christ, have muddied the waters. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear. Uh, but, you know, it's all filtered through us. And, uh, not just through the words that we say, but through our conduct. And, uh, and so when we talk about things like Pentecost or, or Pentecostalism, uh, we, we, we can, you know, have a whole litany of experiences. Um, I've had some experiences that, uh, if I told you the story, you, you would just go, why in the world are you in the Pentecostal church? Because of those experiences that I, I had. But I've had other experiences that were authentic and that were true and that were the Spirit of God. And because I know the truth, uh, is real in those moments, I'm not going to let those, uh, strange things that I experienced negate all that God is doing. Question. Have you ever heard this statement? Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You understand the analogy, you know, the bathwater gets dirty, it gets cold, it's old. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just, you know, refill the tub. And and a lot of times the church, a lot of churches have have thrown the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, and especially when it comes to the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is the gift of speaking with new tongues. So if you're here for the first time uh, today in this series and you missed the last couple of weeks, we started way back at week one and, and I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. But let me just bring us up to speed a little bit. On Pentecost Sunday, two weeks ago, we just started with the simple reality that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's actually three baptisms. One is the baptism of salvation. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that, that we are all baptized into one body, the church, Through the Spirit, by the Spirit, one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He baptizes us into salvation. You're baptized into Jesus in salvation when you get saved. There's a second baptism. That's water baptism. We have a water baptistry right back here. One of the guys that was here, not from our church, but one of the the work crew guys that was here painting this week, he looked in and he goes, man, that's a big tub. He said, Oh, that thing's even got jets in it. I said, No, no, no. It's just a blower to circulate the water. And we don't have jacuzzi jets back there. But yeah, we got a big tub in the back of the church because there's a second baptism. It's water baptism. And Jesus said, believe and be baptized. That's what people do. We get baptized and, and into salvation, excuse me. We get baptized into salvation by the Holy Spirit. And then we get baptized in water by. Uh, someone in the body of christ a pastor a, a, a spiritual leader a mentor we get baptized in water and then there's a third baptism the bible talks about the baptism with the holy spirit and jesus is the baptizer but john the the baptist said i baptize you with water but there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the holy spirit that's Jesus. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So we talked about that on Pentecost Sunday. Last week, we really just dived in particularly to this idea of speaking in other tongues. What is that? Right? There's like this whole stigma around what is that? And, and most of the, the 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 resistance or the stigma to it is simply, uh, I don't know. And so there's a lot of assumption. or uh, Or maybe you have a story like mine. Can I just tell you one of the bad experiences? You're like, yes, please, because I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, my senior year of high school, and, uh, and I went to a church, I don't, I don't mean this in any kind of derogatory way, if, if you know me, uh, you know this is not a derogatory statement, you know what I mean when I say this was a black church, I mean, we had, I, the only, the only white folks in the church, ironically, was the organist, and, and the pastor, and his family, and uh, and then the associate pastor and his family. The, I, we were in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and it was gospel. I mean, we we had church. When we had church, I mean, we had church. And I was living down there my senior year. My wife, my wife Day, who uh, we were dating at the time in my senior year, she still lived up here. It was a long-distance relationship. She decided to come down and visit for spring break. So for Easter Sunday, she's at my church in Stone Mountain, Georgia. She's never seen anything like she's about to see. So she's trying to read the words on the screen past all the hats. And and we're worshiping. And and this lady in front of us just starts doing... Y'all know what the Pentecostal jerk is? Y'all ever seen somebody just get the jerk... The Holy Spirit gets on them and they... whoop. You know what I mean? She just... She, her jerk turned into a conniption fit. I mean, she started taking out chairs. I'm not kidding. I mean, I think she dove like, she stage dove back on us. And here's Day, you know, all quiet and she's kind of reserved. My wife's spirit filled, but you know, when the spirit of God fills you, he fills you. He doesn't make you somebody else. A lot of people are afraid of the Holy Spirit because they think he's going to make them do something crazy. My wife's more reserved. Now, she's got a great sense of humor, but she's not going to get up here and tell a bunch of jokes and run around and tell stories. That's not her personality. So she's here, and she's watching all this, and and this lady just taking out chairs, hat flying, and she falls out on the floor, and she's praying really loud in tongues. And I'm watching, I mean, I'm now like pinned against the next row, and we're watching this, and I'm going, wow. Well, the worship dies down. The pastor comes just as I did earlier, and, and he begins to kind of talk and lead. We've moved on. We're doing something else. And she's still over here in our section, loud, on the floor. But, I mean, they were prepared for this. I mean, these ushers, they didn't surprise them. So they come down the aisle with the earbud in, and, uh, and, and they go over to her and, and the brothers, he just tries to politely help her up, and he, he, he lifts her up. And about time she gets up, she goes, and she falls back down. Boom. And, and and so he picks her back up again. He's trying to be polite. You know? He picks her back up. And boom, she just goes like limp. Boom. She falls down again. And she's just praying out loud. Now the pastor, you can imagine, if I'm trying to talk to you, and this is going on over here, you know, what, what are you throwing off the whole thing? And And so I'm sitting right behind her. I'll never forget this moment. That usher, he was a tough-looking dude. He had a nice suit on, bald headed guy, he got the little earbud in. He's like the head usher. He says, Sister, get up. <laughs> Happy Easter. <laughs> I was like, Wow. I was... She didn't move. Now she's committed. You know, I mean, you're all in. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny what we do and blame on the Holy Spirit, you know? People say like, oh, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, he just, he just, he did this to me. And like, man, there's nothing I could do about it. And, you know, we can really blame the Holy Spirit. The Holy, now listen, I've been in situations where the Holy Spirit has moved powerfully. I've seen people just kind of fall out under the presence of God. And we use phrases like fall out. And that sounds weird. But let me, let me just say it in a more normal sense. Give way. Somebody just gives way to what God is doing in that moment. They go, you know, I just, it's like your knees buckle. You ever had one of those moments? Maybe it was that first kiss. And whoo, you felt woozy. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, sometimes it's like a first kiss from God. You just, you, I've seen people just, woo their knees go out and they just lay out in the spirit. But th- this was different. I mean, you know, now, now this is a distraction and we're trying to move on with the service. And he literally, I'm not making this up. He grabbed her under the arms and just drug her <laughs> all the way out the aisle. All the way back. And she was committed. She wasn't moving. She just hanging there, you know. Heels are up in the air. He took her right. I don't know where she went. I don't know if she ever got up. she just whoop- she was out. That was my wife's Easter, you know, visiting visiting me as a teenager, <laughs> our senior year of college. And I think about stories like that. And you know, honestly, if you if you came and you were a guest and maybe you're here for the first time and you're going, I don't know about Pentecostal churches, and that happens. I don't blame you if you never come back, okay? Because you're going, what are these people doing? What's happening over here? And, and so there, there's, there's balance in God's word. You say, well, what's, what's the balance? Do we just say, forget the Holy Spirit thing. Well, that's just weird. And I had this experience when I was in high school at an Easter service. Forget the Holy Spirit. No, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't let our good be evil spoken of. So there's balance. And so what we, we want to do is we want to say, Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us how to yield to your spirit. Teach us how to follow the spirit. Teach us how to be led by the spirit. Teach us how to operate in the gifts of the spirit with decency and, and in order... And yet at the same time, don't let us, Lord, get so logically locked in to protocol that we miss the wind of the Spirit. Because here's what I've discovered about following God. Everywhere God goes, He goes supernaturally. And so if we get locked in and go, well, you know, we just want God to do this, and then we'll play that song, and then we'll just do that, and then we'll do, you know, and, and then we say, okay, God, you, you know, if, you, if you'll do it in these lanes, we'll trust you. And the Holy Spirit moves where He wants to move. But that is not an excuse for chaos. And uh, and so we, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We've been talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to start with a, a scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, that communicates just a little bit uh, of where we picked up last week. The initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. And... Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. Are you there? It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There's a lot of truth in that, that verse that says they began. I said the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the initial physical evidence of The infilling of the Holy Spirit. So let me just talk about initial for a minute. They began to speak. It means this is what we see as the pattern. Last week we looked at five places in the book of Acts where people were filled with the Spirit and we saw the pattern that people spoke with other tongues. That's a New Testament pattern. In the Old Testament, the Spirit wasn't poured out on all flesh like Joel prophesied. In the Old Testament, it was on a few, you know, like King Saul. And the pattern that we see there is that people uh, received the Spirit and they prophesied. But in the New Testament, there's a different pattern. Now sometimes they did prophesy, other times they didn't. But the consistent pattern is they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with new tongues. And so it's initial, it's the evidence that we see. The Spirit, it says, enabled them. He enabled them. Again, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and take over and make you do something you don't want to do. But He enables you to do something. To to speak in in a heavenly Prayer language. Now let me just say this. And I want you to see this in your Bible. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because I I just want to emphasize. What we just read. Out of Acts chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 13. Because I just told you that. They began to speak with. New tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence. But can I just tell you there's a lot more evidence of a Spirit-filled life than somebody that that prays in a prayer language. Part of the problem uh, and the misunderstanding of the gift of tongues in the church is that we've made it all about that. Go back and read your Bible. It's not all about that. Pentecostal is not about speaking in tongues. I see a pattern in scripture that it is consistently evidence of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 13, the first verse. We're going to read it. Here it is. The first verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. Now, let me just stop there and say that speaking in tongues is not always speaking a foreign language. Some people read Acts chapter two and it says they were speaking in tongues and other people heard them in their native languages. And so they go, well, if you're speaking in tongues, you must be speaking a foreign language. Uh, You might be, but it might also be what the Bible calls tongues of angels. And it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have, what's the next word there? Love. Love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if your Acts 13.1 is not right, if you don't have love, then your Acts 2.4 is broken. Let me say that again. If your Acts 13, or if your 1 Corinthians 13.1 is not right, then your Acts 2.4 is broken. If you can't operate in love, don't tell me you're filled with the Spirit because you, you speak in an unknown tongue. Acts, or 1 Corinthians 12, is the gifts of the Spirit. Tells us all about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 is the Spirit of the gifts. So if we don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit, in the Spirit of the gifts, then we've abused the Spirit. And so the Bible communicates to us that we need to act in love. But speaking in tongues is initial secondly it's it's physical it, it is physical it's something you do with your mouth with your body nowhere in the word of god does god promise that the holy spirit is a feeling or an emotion he's not a feeling or an emotion but but because we're emotional feeling people when we receive the holy spirit we respond physically to the holy spirit some of us more than others some of us like that story i told you Maybe too, too much. Uh, but we respond physically. Initial physical evidence. Can I just say that the speaking in tongues is a blessing because it's evidence to me. I'm a skeptic. It's evidence to me of the Holy Spirit in my life. You know, when I was a little boy, I I sought the baptism in the Holy Spirit because I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My dad was a Pentecostal preacher. Uh, Speaking in tongues was never weird to me. So can I just say, mom and dad, if it's weird to your kids, it's your fault, not mine. No, I'm serious. Because my dad would be driving down the car you know, driving down the road in the car and we'd be, you know, just listening to music or he might just start praying. Now, we don't do this all the time. We're not like super spiritual people that just pray everywhere we go, you know, but sometimes maybe we're driving to church and he's thinking about his message and, and he's praying. It was nothing for me to hear my dad just begin to speak in tongues because it's his personal prayer language. It's not for anybody else. First Corinthians 14 says, when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. If there's any reason that you ought to speak in tongues, it's that verse. 1 Corinthians 14, I think verse 4. When you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. I need edified. I need lifted up. I need blessed. So did my parents. And so I heard them praying in their prayer language. It was not weird for me. I knew what it was. Now, because I'm human, like all of you, and perceptive, you don't have to be really perceptive to sense when something is just weird and not of God. But a lot of times, we call things weird just because they're unknown to us. Not because they're un- uncommon or unbiblical, but because we've never experienced them. But I had experienced them. I had heard prayer languages before. And so, I was pretty young when I began to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And and I, I came to the altar every time we had a service, you know, for people to be prayed for, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I want that. I want that. I'd come and and people would pray over me and people would lay hands on me and you know, good, good intention people that wanted to encourage me. But again, when the spirit fills you, he fills you. He fills you. I mean, Jesus is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And for some of us, we're like, yeah, yeah, we're a lion. You know, uh, but he's also the lamb of God. Same, same Jesus, two different revelations of his personality. The Holy Spirit can come like fire, but when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he descended like a dove. Same spirit, different metaphor to understand him. So if, if, you know, if you're ducking fire because you know, you're thinking God's going to do something crazy, the Holy Spirit wants to just settle on you. Like a dove. And that was kind of my story as a kid. I would come to the altar. Man, people would pray over me. They'd lay hands on me. They'd shout. And they'd, they would speak. Release it. Release it. Release it. Somebody else was going, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I don't know what to let go. Hold on. I don't know what to do. And people were praying over me. and But in my heart, I really did want to receive the Holy Spirit. I, I really did want a personal prayer language. there was oftentimes, maybe you felt this way, there's oftentimes where I I prayed and I didn't know what to say. And the Bible says when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit of God prays through us. One of the blessings of having the Holy Spirit baptism is that the Spirit of God prays through you. And so uh, I I just didn't receive. I didn't receive the Holy Spirit uh, with the evidence of of speaking in tongues. And something that I, I, I commented on last week, and I just want to stop and emphasize this today to you is that Acts 2-4, we already read it. It says, the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enabled them. Here's what I believe. I believe, uh, and maybe this was my story, that people uh, want to receive the Holy Spirit, and they get so fixed on, you know, I need to, to do something. I need to, you know, speak in tongues. And, and they're thinking about what they're supposed to do, when, when really, they're just supposed to receive from the Holy Spirit. Just receive, open your heart and receive from the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Spirit enables them to speak. Now, I kind of had the mindset that if I don't start talking in a prayer language that I don't know, that the Holy Spirit chose not to give me the gift. That's what I believe. That I was like, I must have done something wrong today because He doesn't want me to have it yet. It. He doesn't want me to have it yet. No, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. He is the third person of the Trinity. He wants to fill your life. But I used to think because I wasn't speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to have it yet. And here's what I believe. When we seek God with all of our heart, we open our hearts and say, you know what? I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And we ask Jesus to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He will. And he will enable you right then to speak with new tongues. And so I prayed those prayers and I went to the altar and I didn't really speak in tongues or anything. I was about seven or eight years old. And I know that sounds young, like if you're, if you didn't grow up like in church, but listen, I got saved every Sunday in kid's church. All right. Like anybody else in that camp? I mean, listen, I I, I was indoctrinated with the word of God. So seven might sound young, but uh, Josiah was king when he was eight. So, you know, I was a slow starter. I was seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I hadn't received it on multiple times. And then we we did a, a family missions trip slash vacation. Because that's what you do when you're a preacher's kid. You know, you go preach somewhere and then you make a vacation out of it. And so we were in Mexico. And my dad was preaching a crusade down there. And we were with another family. Uh, there were three sisters. They called themselves the Cook Sisters. And they were a trio and they sang. And they sang uh, songs in English and in Spanish. And so we're in this little hut in in Mexico, and I don't remember exactly where at Mexico, but, I mean, it, it was, you know, just straight bench seats, no backs on them, and, and open, you know, open floors, just a, a tin roof. And so, we're at this service, and my dad's preaching, and there's a translator, and, and this is going on every night of the crusade, and the Cook sisters get up uh, one night to sing uh, a song. They sing a trio, uh, and the song is called El Shaddai. Any of you guys know that song, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai. Those are all uh, Hebrew words. I don't speak Hebrew and I'm in Mexico and I don't speak Spanish and and I'm seven. And so I don't know anything that's going on except that the spirit of God is moving. And, and I was just standing there in the row. My mom was over here. My older brother was here. My dad's down there and, and and I'm just standing on the front row and they're singing this song about who God is and they're worshiping and all the uh, Spanish people are worshiping and singing and I just felt the presence of God. I feel it right now, even saying it. It wasn't like fire. it was It was like a dove. It was like cool water. And my little hands just went up. And my lips just started trembling, and I began to speak. I didn't think about it. I wasn't thinking about what somebody else sounded like when they prayed. I just, man, it was like it was like water, just cold water, just. And I just began to pray, not out loud. Just, just stammering, just mumbling, and then my brother he noticed. He goes, "Aaron's speaking in tongues." <laughs> so they begin to gather around. They begin to pray over me, but it really wasn't even necessary at that point because Jesus baptized me with the Holy Spirit. And I received. And really in that moment, I I just yielded to the Holy Spirit and I I just let Him have His way in my heart. And that's what He that's what He wants for me. No one can deny me that because maybe every day of my life I can honestly say most days without question there's been a moment where I prayed. In my prayer language, I, I just called out to God in heavenly language and I prayed. And I'm going to tell you why it's so important to me. It's so important because my spirit is what communicates with God. Not, not my, not my body or soul. But my spirit, my body is my outward man, my soul is my mind, my will, my emotions. Those things I have to lay down for God. I have to say, not my will, but yours be done. I have to crucify my flesh, my outward man, and my evil desires, which we all have. And I have to lay down my own uh, ambition and my emotions and my will. But my spirit, my spirit is the the part that that Jesus fills and the, the part that he has saved. The part of me that is eternal and He wants to communicate with me in the Spirit. I want to show you a verse. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 20. In verse 27. Yeah, I just want to encourage you with this. Because when you pray in the Spirit. It develops your spirit. Say what, what does that mean? To, to pray in the Spirit actually develops your spirit. Can I just tell you this morning that God is not silent. He is not silent. The problem is with our hearing. God is speaking. And what we do is we we we're overly sensitive in our flesh and we are desensitized in our spirit. I mean, you know, somebody can just say one thing, one thing to you or even about you. And you'll you're so overly sensitized in your flesh. You'll think about that all week. It'll bother you. You know, you'll lose sleep over it. But God can just speak. In a moment, and 90% of the room totally miss it. Because we're not in tune with the Spirit of God and how He speaks to us. But what happens when we develop our prayer language? When we when we just... And I'm not talking about the gifts in the church. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues so that all of us hear it, so that somebody can interpret it. I'm talking about just praying and letting the Spirit of God pray through you. When we do that, when we develop our prayer language, what happens is we become more Spirit-sensitive. Look at this verse, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. It says, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. You know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to shed new light on your inmost being. That's what he wants for us. He wants to shed light on our inmost being. I want to to tell you a story. Uh, We we started this series talking about uh, a Jewish feast, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. And on Pentecost Sunday, we talked about how Jesus really, uh, in Acts chapter 2, when he birthed the church, he gave this new uh, significant meaning and value to that feast. Well, there's another feast that Jesus uh, kind of augmented and 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 gave a new revelation and i want to tell you about that so if you have your bible there go with me to john chapter 7 this will be our last text and i just want to talk to you about this jewish feast here for a moment called the feast of tabernacles the feast of tabernacles like all the other feasts this one has certain rituals certain things that the people had to do uh, there was a, a prescribed order for the festival. And every day at this festival, there was a moment. This was like the climax of the day. It went for several days, about a week long. And every day there was this significant moment, the, the climax of the day, where one of the priests would take a golden vessel and he would draw water out of the river that flowed under the temple mount. Now we know that the temple, it was built, it recognized the presence of God. The water flowed from the presence of God. Literally, it was a stream that went under the temple. They would go down there. They would fill this pitcher with water. And they would bring it out. And at this climatic moment in the celebration, they would take that pitcher and they would pour it out on the altar. And they would let the water go down the steps of the temple. Now on the last day, on the last day of the feast, this was like the, the, the high point of the celebration. The priest would go and he would dip the water again out of the, out of the water that flowed out of the temple mountain. He would take it up there. And on the last day, the priest would march seven times around the altar. And while they would march, they would be singing the words to Psalm 118, verse 25. It says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant success. So they're walking seven times around this and, and the choir's warming up. The choir was getting ready to sing these words out of Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. They would sing, with joy you will draw water from the wells of our salvation. So I want you to picture the scene. The priests are circling the altar. They're declaring, Lord, save. Lord, grant us success. The choir's getting ready to declare, God, you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. The trumpets are blasting. The people are watching with bated breath. And the priest is about to pour the water out on the altar and let it run down the steps. And that symbolized how Moses had struck the rock in the wilderness and water flowed out. He's about to reenact that moment by pouring water out of this golden vessel. It's in that moment of anticipation that we get John chapter 7. We're right there in the scene and look at it with me. John chapter 7 and verse 37. Here's what it says. On the last and greatest day of the festival. Let me just stop there and tell you what one historian said about this day. One historian said, whoever had not witnessed it had never seen rejoicing at all. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, He interrupts the whole thing. Priest is getting ready to pour out the water. Trumpeters got the brass up to their lips. Jesus stands up in a loud voice. And he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And then John explains the next verse. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Rivers of living water. He said, if anyone be thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, some of your Bibles might interpret the word as streams, streams of living water. We've heard that. But if you study the word out, it's it's rivers. It means a mighty force. It's the same word that's used in the book of Revelation to describe the Euphrates. It's 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 big. It's the same word that uh, Paul used to describe being uh, floating after a shipwreck out at sea. Being pummeled by the waters. It's it's a mighty force that's coming. And Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers. A mighty force from God. Of living water. And by this he meant the Spirit. Upon whom those who believed him would later receive Jesus wants us to be full of his spirit he wants to lead us by he wants us to be edified when we pray in the spirit he wants us to be led by the holy spirit many times Jesus referred to the holy spirit as the counselor that's what he's been in my life a counselor Because the Bible says, when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays through me. And I've been there too many times. But the Spirit of God counsels us. He counsels us. He comforts us. So I I just want to end this service today. And we're about to go and eat and and have a great time. And and I just want to pray for you. The way that so many people prayed for me. I mean, time after time, I had people... Pray for me. And, and, and here's what I can learn looking back as a m- little bit more mature biblical adult. That uh, it doesn't really matter who prays for you. It's not about the person. You can, you can buy a ticket and go to an arena and hear some big name person in a white suit. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer. Whether it's here on a Sunday morning or standing on the front row at a little hut church in Mexico somewhere, Jesus is the baptizer. But I want to pray for you the way many people prayed for me. And I just want to invite you to yield. To yield your heart, to yield yourself, to yield your spirit. Because it's the spirit of man that God brings enlightenment to. And he wants to lead you. Here's my prayer for you. I want to say like, like Paul. Paul said, pursue the gifts. Pursue the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because they're gifts. They're gifts for the church. They're for you. They're for me. So I want to pray that you would just open your heart and say, God, I want what you want for me. And I want to pray specifically that God would enable you by His Spirit to begin to communicate with God outside of the limitation of your own logic. So that you don't always come to God trying to think through and problem solve. But that you let your spirit pray. So, I, I, Lord, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray. from, my, I'm going to let my spirit man pray. And not be limited by 26 letters of the English alphabet. I'm not going to be limited by my own understanding of the situation. Just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Right, right where you're seated. Jesus said this. If any man be thirsty, so let me just say, if you're not thirsty for the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's fine. You're still going to heaven if you love Jesus, but you haven't opened the gift that he has for you, but you have to be thirsty. So that's the first condition, right where you're sitting. If you're thirsty, come, he said. That's the second condition. He didn't say, come to church. He didn't say, come to Bible class. He said, come to me. If any man be thirsty, come to me. Can I just remind you right now, we're not seeking a gift of tongues. We're not seeking an emotional or physical manifestation. We're seeking Jesus. He said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but here's what I've learned. To drink something, I have to open my mouth. There's a lot of people that go, Lord, fill me with the spirit but they will never yield their tongue. They never yield their tongue to God. To say, Lord, I want the Spirit to enable me to pray. Not, not not, Spirit pray for me. Spirit enable me to pray. So at some point I step into obedience and I open my mouth. And I begin to say what the Spirit of God is saying. From the inside. Streams, he said. Open your mouth. He said, come to me and drink. And streams of living water will flow from your inmost being that's your spirit